We're turning to Proverbs chapter 31, please. Proverbs uh, chapter 31. And Pat asked me during the week, Sunday, what I was preaching on on Sunday morning. Uh, And I told her Proverbs 31. She says, you know, it's not Mother's Day. Uh, (laughs) And I know it's not Mother's Day at all. Uh, And I know that the last 11 verses in this uh, chapter 31 of Proverbs uh, speaks about the virtuous wife, woman, and mother. But there's another woman in this chapter as well, whether you knew it or whether you don't, but you will before the meeting's over this morning. And as if other woman that's in this chapter and her son, so there's a mother and a son on display this morning for to minister to us. Uh, it's them that I want to call your attention to. For there is something God wants to say this morning to some young people and perhaps to some mother. And so we're reading the first nine verses of the last chapter of the book of Proverbs. Verse 1, the words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. What, my son, and what, the son of my womb, and what, the son of my vows? Give not thy strength unto woman, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for the princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish, and wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. Let him drink and forget his poverty, and remember his misery no more. Open thy mouth for the dumb in the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and of the needy. And we land there and we know that the Lord will minister to us through and bless his word this morning. Let's look at verse 1. The words of King Lemuel. Now let me stop for a wee moment for most of you probably never heard of this king. I have a volume in my study entitled All the Kings and Queens of the Bible. And it's a very rich and a very helpful book. But this king's not in it. So it's not all the kings of the Bible. And then I tried another source to find out who this king was, but to no avail. Now, there are some who think that it's a pet name 
that Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, gave to him, but I don't run with that. There's others thinking I would be more inclined to go this way, that he was a heathen king who through a godly mother got converted. And you'll see that as we progress. And while we know little or nothing about him, God knows about him. Because you know what his name means? Belonging to God. Belonging to God. Do you belong to God this morning? Be honest now. Do you belong to him? Or do you belong to the devil? Because you either belong to one or the other. You see, God has his people everywhere. It's amazing to read that there were saints in Caesar's household. God has his people hidden in all sorts of places. They may not be, this king may not be prominent like King David or King Hezekiah or King Solomon, but nevertheless, he belonged to God. You may be virtually unknown this morning. You may be passed by, as this king has been passed by, by many commentaries and recorders. You may be passed by this morning, insignificant and feel useless and nothing. But remember this, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And this monarch... Wherever he was, wherever he reigned, and whether he was a prince or a monarch or a king at this particular time, we don't know, but he was royalty, as the Bible tells us. And wherever he was reigning, one day he took time to write the testimony, his testimony, that ended up in this inspired word. And he starts with his mother. Look at verse 1. The words that King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. Now let me put that into our language. I want to tell you about the message that my mother taught me. Now that's what he's saying. We know little about him, but we know less about his mother. And so this king, whoever he is, wherever he's writing, wherever he is, he's saying something that God put into the inspired word. I said, I think, a thousand, a thousand proverbs Solomon wrote. Only 31 of them are here. And this is in for our learning this morning. This, this man is testifying and he starts off by saying, I want to tell you about the message my mother taught me. And I say to you young men and women this morning, here and listening to me elsewhere, thank God for godly mothers. Thank God that they teach you the things of God and they teach you the message of the gospel. 
And mother, let me say to you this morning, keep at it. Because it will pay off someday. Take time to read the Word. Take time to pray with your children. When they go to school or to the college or to the work, close the door and the closet and petition them before God. Don't leave it to the Sunday school teachers. Don't leave it to the Friday night meeting. Don't leave it to the pastor. Remember Timothy, Paul says, from a child, thou hast known the Scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation. Now, sadly, I hadn't a godly mother. I had a good mother, and I had the joy of leading her to the Lord before she died. But you know, the milk run that I did, done for my father, and started to drive and lift cans at 17 years of age, there were two godly women that even stood out then in those days. One was Mrs. Dundas of Tabach and Mrs. Gott of Shankill. The fear of God would have, even in my wild days, some nights I come home and got into the lorry and never went to bed. And even approaching those homes, there was a, there was a fear of God seemed to be. Mrs. Dundas prayed a whole, for her whole family, every one of them into the kingdom. She was an old-fashioned Wesleyan Methodist. She was a woman of God, and you'd know when she was a big woman and when she was looking at you, she was praying for you. She started a mission hall on her street and is still going after 70 years, and I go down there every November. Godly woman, godly mother, godly wife, a testimony that was mighty, even in my wild days round Aragon. And then there was Mrs. Gott. Mrs. Gott, I could not tell you what Mrs. Gott looked like because I never looked into her face. She was bent over. She had an old black shawl and a half door and a tin roof. Now, I can honestly say I never saw her face. What a godly woman Mrs. Gott was, and what a rebuke she would give to me. Her husband was coming home from the fair day in Enniskillen, and he didn't feel too well, and he went into a neighbor's house, and he sat down at the fire, and he died, and left her with a big family. Every year she had an open-air meeting on her premises at a wee farm, seven or eight or maybe ten or twelve acres, and the gates leading in from the road away up on the mountain. She gathered godly men to preach and people to come. A godly mother. So here's the message that she taught, and he's testifying to this. I want to tell you about the message that my mother taught me. And then when you look at verse 2, you'll see the prayer that she wrought. 
Because if you get a concordance and you decipher this language, you will discover that she's praying. She says, and she's praying to God and she's saying, here's what she's saying. What, my son, what, my son? I have prayed for you for the womb. I have vowed you to the Lord. I have abandoned you to the Lord. I have surrendered you to the Lord. Like Hannah and Samson. He's testifying to this. And it seems the word came to her, came to this woman when she was praying like this. What, the, what about my son? What will we do with my son? I'm praying for him from the womb. I vowed him, I surrender him unto thee. Have you done that, mother? Have you surrendered him on, and that woman, that young man, that young, have you put them on the altar for God and say, Lord, above their education, above their university qualification, above materialism, I want them to know God. I want them to serve God. And that's what she did. And when she got down before God, this godly woman for this son, this young prince, or whoever he was, when she got down before God, God spoke to her. Because it was the message she thought and the prayer that she wrought and the warning that she brought. She warned him of two things that young men and women need to be warned of today. This is incredible. 3,000 years ago, if you read these verses down, you'll see she warned him about, warned him about woman and wine. See that? It's not for kings in verse 4. Or verse 3, Give me not thy strength unto woman, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes to drink wine. Five times she mentions drink in these verses. And if ever there was a message needed to be hammered out today to young men and young women, it's the curse of drink. And I'm preaching from experience. Now I want to follow this on by you turning to Proverbs chapter 22. Just turn back over to Proverbs chapter 22, or 23 rather. Proverbs chapter 23. Tremendous verses these. Oh, how we need to apply them today. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 26. Well, let's come down these verses here because not only is this woman speaking about women and drink, Solomon is here. Take heed this morning. The curse of this age and day and hour is here. Watch this now. My son, give me thine heart. That's a word for the backslider. Can we stop a wee minute? That's a word for the backslider. Some of you here, some of you listening to me this morning, you're away back. Oh, you're a son, you're a child in the family, all right. You're born again into the family. 
There was a day when he came into your heart. But you never surrendered. You never put him on the throne as we were singing about this morning. You never done what we heard at the conference in January. He's resident but not president. Now I asked a person one time, and I said to a certain woman one time, I says, is such and such a person we're talking about? I says, is he saved? And she gave me a shocking reply. And I wouldn't want it to be said about me, and I wouldn't want it to be said about anybody here or anybody listening to me. And she says, if he is, he's far back in him. He's far back. Is he far back in you this morning? What an awful description. Backslider, he's far back. He's just there in a name. He's just there as a prop. He's just there as a convenience or a staff to lean on in times of trouble. My son, there's a plea going out to backsliders this morning. Those that haven't surrendered fully and given them all and abandoned all and saying, Lord, there's a plea going out this morning. He said, give me thine heart. It's not your hands with all its work. It's not your head with all its brains. It's not your mouth with all its talk nor your feet with all its walk. You know, we'll give him everything. We'll give him days of work and we'll give him ends of money and we'll give him, we'll give him everything. But a heart. We'll give him time in the morning. We'll give him time in the evening. We'll, we'll give him our time, but we'll not give him our heart. Full and utter surrender. An abandonment. We sang this morning, I, I throne, my heart shall be thy throne. He says, give me thine heart. Listen, backslider. Listen to those that are cold. Listen to those that are not enjoying the Lord and the anointing and the filling of the Holy Ghost. Listen to those who, listen to me, those of you who the meetings are just a drag. Who the prayer meeting is no interest in. That's not the way it should be. God never meant it to be like that. Salvation's not that. Salvation's a joy and desire and longing and hungering after God. Not looking for excuses not to come. He says, give me thine heart. Like Lemuel, we belong to God. Listen, you belong to him this morning. We belong to him this morning. Twice over. He created us. And he redeemed us. 
And he says, give me what is rightfully mine, as we say in Give me what belongs to me. Give me your all. Give me your everything. Give me your life. He's entitled to what belongs to him. And if he doesn't get it, there's repercussions. Give me thine heart, your soul, your life, your all. He yearns for it. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And that's to Christians now. It's not to the unsaved. Stand at the door and knock. If any man, any woman, open the door and come in, I will sup with him and he with me. Will you open the door this morning and let him in to take control? Or will we go on living an old barren, cold, down, mumbling life? Never was meant to be. That's not the Christianity. That's not what I read about in the Scriptures. I read about the fullness of joy. I read about pressed down and running over with joy and praise and thanksgiving in the midst of trials and in the midst of trouble. I read of men and women who hungered and thirsted for God. Now watch this. Watch verse 27. My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes, and the eyes have a queer lot to do with this. You're hearing on all through the week. The eyes have it. The eyes have it. Well, the eyes have it here. Now watch this very carefully. My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes. I wonder what you're watching. Come on now this morning. Where's your eyes resting? Watch it. Verse For her is a deep ditch and a strange woman is a narrow pit. This writer here is just saying what the woman was saying. Let me say this to you this morning. If you're going to be preserved from iniquity and immorality and profanities and adulteries and pornography, it'll need to start in your heart. Because your heart controls your eyes and your mind. It'll need to start in the heart. That's why he makes the appeal here. Give me thine heart. For a whore is a deep ditch. What does that mean? Well, that means a deep ditch, a hole that's covered over, a trap. 
covered over with leaves and ferns and grass to trap the animal. Deep hole underneath it. Ask Samson if he didn't slip into it. Ask the mighty David, did he not fall into it? Ask Gideon. And ask hundreds in our province that their ministry is finished and done. And they're in the corner this morning, tortured by the devil. Ask them if there's not a devil. Ask them if there's not traps laid for the believer and for the sinner to destroy them and take them down to hell. Ask them. They all went down into the deep pit. It was a hard job to get out again, I'll tell you. Now look at verse 28. She also lieth and waiteth for a prey and increases the transgressors of men. We could take a night on that text on its own. Whoa, look at verse 29. We'll have to cut something out here. Look at verse 29. There's six questions asked here. Six questions that Solomon asks here. Verse 29, who has woe? Now, let's just pause a moment at each of these. And I hope I'm getting through to the young generation this morning. Who has the woe? That means who has the cry and the lament. Let me say this. It's the same word used in the sixth chapter of Isaiah. When he was in the presence of God in the temple and he saw the Lord and he shook and he trembled and he said, woe is me. I tell you, there's men and women this morning and they're shaking and they're trembling and they can't stop the drink. And the devil has dealt a mighty woe to them. He's saying here, who is woe? Watch it now as it goes on. Then secondly, he says, who is woe? Who has sorrow, tears, heartbreak, grief? I tell you, my friend, there's more broken hearts, there's more broken homes, there's more broken families. As a child, I cried myself to sleep at night. As a child, I cried when I heard my mother cry. And thank God you never experienced it. And that's why I still hate Saturday nights. Thank God for godly mothers. Thank God for godly fathers. Thank God for the home that none of this cursed stuff comes into. Sorrow. 
Look at the world tonight. Look at the sorrow because of drink and drugs. Number three, who has contention? There's more fights, there's more rows in courts and streets and homes over demon drink. You know, I knew some of the most reserved men, neighbors of mine, they could hardly look at you when they were talking to you. They wouldn't have lifted their voice. Quiet, shy, country man. But boy, when they got the whiskey into them, and it had to be whiskey, they could drink beer all night, and they could drink Guinness all night, and they got quieter. But you see, once they hit the whiskey, Contention started. Look at it again. Who had babbling? Still at verse 29. Babbling? The speech slurred, the brain dulled, the walk impaired, and the nonsense of talk and chat. See, I don't have to tell you. You think it's new, do you? You think it's new? The devil always uses what he's good at using. He's always used what works. And remember, I'll be saying this probably tonight or some of these nights. The devil was trained in heaven. He knows the workings. He knows far more than you'll ever know. It wasn't me coined that phrase. It was Jonathan Edwards said that. He was trained in heaven. So he knows what works. Babblings, contention, sorrow, Whoa, look at the next one. Who has wounds? Go to the accident and emergency on a Friday night. Move on along the cord and turn right and turn left and go down into the intensive care. Go on out on down inside the bay, back, back and go out and cross over into the mortuary. Who had wounds? Who had redness of eyes? I don't need to explain that. What's wrong? Here's the answer now to the whole section. They that tarry long at the wine. They that go to seek mixed or spiked wine. Ordinary wine is not strong enough. They have to mix it. And that's what they're doing with the drugs and other stuff. They have to mix it to get the power in it. Verse 30. They that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine, 
Verse 31, look not thou upon the wine when it is red. I hear Christians saying, a wee drop of red wine or a wee drop of white wine will do you no harm. I'll read this verse in these, chapter, in these verses. Look not thou upon it when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself, when it sparkles as they advertise it on the television. Then look what it says. At last it biteth. What like? A serpent. The serpent on the rock. He's very close. When there's drinking, debauching, immorality, the devil's not far away. Verse 33. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. When you're under the anesthetic of drink, and when the heart is not right, anything can happen. And every day we're hearing on the news about rape. Child abuse. And you trace a lot of the immorality and infidelity back. You'll trace it back to drink or to drugs. Verse 34. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea. I tell you, if you're full of whiskey, you'll not worry where you'll go. And you'll lie down in the water and it'll not feel it. What it says here. Or goes up into the top of a mask. You're half mad and you'll go anywhere or you'll do anything. Look at what it, look at what it says. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me and I felt it not. I can testify to that this morning. He didn't feel it to the next day. And Stephen will, and others will agree with me this morning how true this old proverb and this old book is this morning and what a warning it is. And then look at what it says. When shall I awake? Whenever I waken up, I will seek it yet again. Well, boy lived beside me. My father bought me my first drink when I was... I was drinking. I never knew a time I didn't drink for was all those bottles with stuff on the bottom of it. There was an old boy lived beside us and he, he used to... he gave me whiskey. I wasn't very big. That'll do you no harm. Get it down, it'll do you good. And then when you get sick and get it up, it'll do you good. Oh, the curse of it. Oh, what a mighty book this is we have in our hand here this morning. And when they awake, I will seek it yet again. Ah, oh, listen, friend, this morning. There's men at the back of pubs just now batting the doors to get a drink. Young man, young woman this morning, 
with a passionate heart this morning. Don't touch it. Pat and I was crossing the mall, down, going down to the Baptist church many years ago on a Sunday morning. The both of us come down the steps and was crossing over Barrick Street and there was a man lying on the street. And he had been pulling cigarette butts out of the, out of the, the street. He had been lifting these cigarette butts and he was as black and he was as dirty. He was a tramp of the street. And Pat said to me, she says, oh, look at that poor man. I says, take a good look at him. He used to be a sergeant on the police. Big, tall, straight, good-looking, black-haired man. And that's where it brought him. We're we're closing now. Just before we close, turn back to Proverbs 31. What a testimony this king gave to his mother. But you know, she not only instructed him on wine and women, but on prayer. Look at verse 8. Please what you say to Open thy mouth for the dumb in the cause of all such as are appointed to instruction. And then comes in again. Open thy mouth. Judge righteously and plead the cause of the poor and needy. Son, Son, open thy mouth and plead. Plead their cause. Now, a woman couldn't say that to her son unless she was doing it herself. A pastor cannot preach like that unless he's doing it himself. A father cannot say that to his child unless he's doing it himself. Son, She says, plead the cause of those who are dumb who cannot pray for themselves. Plead the cause. Oh, son, plead their cause ere they go down into destruction. I'm not going to rub in the need of prayer. Not going to do that. But you know very well. Esther went in before the king. She says, If I perish, I perish. I cannot endure to see the destruction of my people. Can you endure to see your son or your daughter going down to a drunkard's hell? Can we? Oh, what a mother this was. What a woman this was. Was this the same woman he goes on about here? I don't know. But I don't believe she was. And we do love this last part, don't we? We're not touching it this morning. Oh, what a godly woman this was. 
Read it over. Read the chapter over. And we are blessed. And I would know that this assembly is blessed with godly women and good mothers and praying mothers. I would know that. But I watch you. Twice, she says here, and I'm finished. Pray, she says, for the cause. There's a cause. And as soon as I read those two times, she says, cause, I went away back to David when he came down to face Goliath with the bread and the cheese down to those brothers in the army and they mocked them and they laughed at them. And who do you think you are and who did you leave those few sheep within the wilderness. And David looked them straight in the face and he says, is there not a cause? There sure was. Goliath had humiliated them. There's a cause. The giants in the land. There's a cause, my friend. Let us take the cause to heart. Let us make a wee bit of time extra and come to pray. Let us close the closet door. Let us warn our children of these two evils of the hour. God will bless us for doing that.